Well, we're continuing in our series, uh, The Year of Yes, in our series, Finding Our Yes. How do we find our yes? Doug and Eliana are living a life of finding that next yes. And here's an opportunity and an invitation, and they've said yes. Many of us are seeking to hear the Lord and find that next yes. But that's kind of hard to do if you, like me, are hard of hearing. I'm actually literally hard of hearing. Uh, I resisted the invitation of my family to get hearing aids in response to their frustration. I'd say to Brenda, I told you this before, I think, Brenda was always bothering my wife, bothering me to get hearing aids. Get hearing aids, honey. Hey, sweetheart, be nice if you had hearing aids. Hey, go to the doctor and get, you know. I said, you know how expensive hearing aids are? I'm sure I've told you this story before, but just by way of reminder. No, how expensive. And I said, they're $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 per ear. So up to $4,000 or more. Some of you have paid more than that for fancy schmancy hearing aids. So being the pragmatic person that I am, I actually said to her just a couple of years ago, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. $4,000 for hearing aids, I'll give you $2,000 to talk louder and we'll both benefit. <laughs> Did not get the reception I had hoped. So I had this hearing loss. So I finally went to the doctor. Uh, and the doctor told me, confirmed that you've lost, I forget the exact number, but it was some significant number, like you've lost 80% of your upper range. And so that means and then he goes to describe what my day would be like in terms of hearing, and he nailed it. That means probably when this is said, you don't understand it, you don't hear it. He said, you can't distinguish in your soft consonants, like uh, the difference between an S and an F. Brenda and I, when we pay bills, she sits down, and she has a binder she keeps, and is a redundant system, and she'll have the bills all planned out. She'll know what they're supposed to be every month, every day. She reads the bill to me, and then I sit across from her at the computer, and I type in, in the Quicken, you know, what she says. And I go hit the button to pay it and record it in the register. And what happened often was she would say, for instance, six, the S is a soft sound, 69.58. And I would say, I can't distinguish. Did you say 69.58 or 59.58? And she would sigh. And she began to say it like this. She'll, here's, this is common. I'm sitting over there. It'll go something like this. Okay, um, heating bill. 59.58. That's 5958. 59.58. And half the time, you know, I still can't hear, but that's how our stuff goes because I've lost my high-end register. The doctor further said, so here's what it's like. You can't distinguish between those soft consonants. And he said, and you have trouble hearing high-ranged voices, so you probably struggle to hear women's voices. Yeah, half the men in the room are saying, I guess I have hearing loss too, you know. <laughs> now, there was a, I confess, I have never taken advantage of that diagnosis and said to Brenda, I'm sorry, the doctor says I have trouble hearing women's voices, especially when they say, take out the garbage. I mean, I just can't get it. But when I was younger, before I had hearing loss, I have to confess, I did take advantage. Like, don't raise your hands, men, but 
I was one of those who exhausted in the middle of the night when the babies would cry and I was awake. I faked it. Like I didn't hear it. Let her go and do her motherly thing because, you know, she wants to care for and nurture our children. But now I actually have hearing loss and we have struggles. And so what I decided to do was go ahead and get hearing aids. So I went, got the diagnosis, got the hearing aids. I have them in right now. I often forget to wear them when we're paying bills and still ask Brenda to speak up and say it again. So I go put them on or the battery's dead or something like that. And, but I was excited about being able to hear again and I first tested them and it was amazing, except you have to get used to your own voice being amplified and all that. But in a quiet room like this, what a change, what a difference. In the prayer room, when the music's not going in the background and it's not, there's not a lot of, the, the, the furnace doesn't come on. You've been in the room and the furnace comes on, you can't hear a thing anyway. When that's not happening, I can actually hear people pray and participate with them. I was excited to test this out at a restaurant. You know, how long since you've been to a restaurant where it was actually quiet in there and you could have conversation? Most of the restaurants today are like big echo chambers and they're loud and loud, all kinds of background noise, and you still have to scream at your own table, you know? But it's okay, I have my hearing aids. That's when I realized hearing aids amplify everything. So I have to turn off my hearing aids in order to hear well at my own table because all the background noise, the really expensive ones give you little ways to nuance it and help a little bit, but not all that much. It just amplified everything. And so I couldn't even hear the people at my own table. Still couldn't hear. So what I did was I became pretty good at reading lips, which has some problems attached to it as well. For instance, it's not a really good thing for a pastor to listen to somebody talk when you're talking one-on-one and never look the person in the eye. I, wanted, I couldn't hear you unless I was reading your lips. So I'm, I'm never looking you in the eye. So we had to figure that out. But I got pretty good at reading lips and I could pretty much distinguish what somebody was saying if I could read their lips. But here's a problem. What about when somebody's speaking to you and the person you're trying to hear is not there for you to see, you can't see their lips. What about when that person, you can't assist your sense of hearing with your sense of sight because they're not there for you to see, like God. We're talking about saying yes when God speaks, but what about those of us who, when it comes to hearing from the Lord, we may not even have hearing loss when we're talking to people, but there's something about hearing directions from God and invitations from God and, and instructions from God that we seem to have hearing loss. We need hearing aids in that arena. There's a pretty well-known saying that Jesus offered in John chapter 10, where he says, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. The problem I have is that sometimes as a sheep, I can't hear, I'm hard of hearing. And to those of us with hearing loss, there is this voice that we know is out there that's pregnant with opportunity, that's inviting us to succeed, that's saying, I choose to need you and I choose to involve you. And wouldn't it be wonderful if you and I experience this together? Here's the next thing I want you to do. But just like I would sometimes say to Brenda when I couldn't hear her when we were paying bills, I'd say, will you please quit mumbling? And she would respond, I'm not mumbling. Will you please get hearing aids? Sometimes 
when the Lord speaks, it sounds to us as though he's mumbling. God, if something was that important to you that you would invite me to do it, invite me to participate, shouldn't you speak clearly? Why are you always mumbling? I just can't hear you very well. And you're not here for me to see, to read your lips. You're not writing instructions on the wall. How am I supposed to experience a yes when I can't even clearly hear the invitation to the yes? You can't answer yes to an offer you can't hear, can you? So this message in this series on yes, and more particularly finding your yes, is offered with the hope that it can be of some help to those of us who, when it comes to discerning the voice of God, the directions of God, the guidance of God, the invitations of God, it's offered for those of us who, when it comes to that, find ourselves often to be hard of hearing. What are some things we can be aware of that might help us to hear? Before I launch into the couple of points that I have for you today, let me remind you of some of the presuppositions that come with this message. Really, they come with any message you're going to hear at Marin Covenant Church. The first presupposition is this. So in other words, these are things that we assume you understand or that we understand when we give these messages, even if it's not stated. The Bible is prescriptive and authoritative. We, when we go to hear the voice of God, we get instruction from God through Scripture. That's one of the primary places we go. But the Bible is not simply another book, another thing to assist us with the opinions of God. When we do the hard work of understanding it properly and applying the rules of interpretation, the same rules that we apply to any form of communication, we read what the Bible says and it is giving us instructions about how we are to live, not just one of the choices we have about how to live. So we understand that that's a presupposition that scripture is authoritative in our lives. It's prescriptive. It shows us what God's will is and much of the time what God's invitations are. The second presupposition is one that we're restating here. Jeff, Pastor Jeff actually mentioned this a couple of times already, especially when he was launching us into this series uh, on finding your yes. Second presupposition is that the yes by yes, we're not talking about uh, that one big thing that defines the rest of your life. The overarching huge yes you're, you're, that defines the rest of your life. This idea of yes, and we say finding your yes, a year of yes, inviting you in to a life of yeses, is about, again, that plural yes. It's about the many steps of yes. Maybe even the small things along the way as we journey toward Jesus. Because life is a series of either yeses or nos in response to circumstances, opportunities, and invitations. So that second presupposition I stated this way, uh, picking up on Jeff's point. Your yeses aren't about finding your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is about finding your yeses. Pastor Jeff reminded of that as we jumped into this series. So presupposition number one, scripture is authoritative. Everything we preach, teach, uh, present to you. Always understand that as pastors and leaders in Marine Covenant Church, we're coming from the scripture and discerning what it's saying and what the meaning is, what the significance is of that meaning and what the relevance is for our 
lives. It's prescriptive. That's presupposition number one. Number two, when we talk about yeses, we mean this, that your yeses aren't about finding your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is about finding your yeses. So the question that we need to ask is, what is the next yes? What's my next yes? My next yes might be the opportunity I have to either respond hurtfully or graciously to somebody in the lobby. And there's an invitation, there's an opportunity to either enter the kingdom of God or stay outside of it, reject it. The Lord might be saying, hey, forgive, respond with grace. Be slow to speak, be slow to anger. That's my next yes. See, yes is along the way. So for those of us who need hearing aids when the Lord is speaking, some help in being able to hear and discern what God might be saying. These are things that I have experienced in my own life. This is certainly not exhausted. There's so much more that could be said, but I offer a couple of examples that I hope will be helpful because you can't say yes to an invitation you can't hear. So how do we hear better? Observation number one comes from 1 Kings 19, but I could pick any number of texts and examples. And you can't hear, this might help you, beware of being addicted to the spectacular. God's voice is often heard in humble, quiet ways. In fact, perhaps most often heard in humble, quiet ways. And if we are people who are looking for him to shout all the time, looking for the spectacular, the dramatic, the great big of God, when he's speaking to us and he's trying to whisper to us, we'll miss it. Beware of an addiction to the spectacular. Listen to 1 Kings 19. Now the prophet is discouraged. He's been chased down. He thinks he's going to be killed. He thinks he's alone. Nobody else is still alive. He's the last faithful person left on earth in his own mind. And so he goes off, fall, just lays down under a tree and decides to die. In fact, he prays a prayer. Okay, Lord, that's it. Just go ahead and kill me now. It'll at least be quick if you do it. And the Lord said, 1 Kings 19, 11 and following, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So you have the Lord said, you've got some communication happening and gives a heads up to Elijah, go out and stand, I'm about to speak, I'm about to pass by, I've got something I want to say to you. So it says then that a great and powerful wind, listen to how dramatic this is, how spectacular this is. A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Pretty spectacular. You would think if God's going to speak, that's, that's the arena for him to speak, right? The text says, though, but the Lord was not in the wind. He was not in that spectacular event. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord's voice, the Lord's presence was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. So from spectacular to virtually boring. And when Elijah, what? Heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face, went out, stood at the mouth of the cave that he was hiding in. And then a voice said to him in the whisper, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are we going to do? What's next? The voice of God 
that is so hard to hear sometimes, most often comes in the whispers, in the quiet, normal, unspectacular moments of life. One of the reasons I like Renown so much, and I believe we talked about him just a few weeks ago, is the way he understands and appreciates that. And Henri Nouwen is gone now, but a wonderful writer and a, one of my favorite theologians. And in his book, In the Name of Jesus, he offers a caution to the church that we're smart to listen to today. He talks about certain sins, and he says he's, he warns us against these sins. And one of the sins he warns the church against is the addiction to the spectacular, especially the in his context, especially the temptation to be spectacular. Talks about the temptation to be spectacular, the temptation to be powerful, and the temptation to be relevant. Spectacular, powerful, relevant, they're not bad things on their own, but they can be temptations. The temptation to be spectacular, beware of the spectacular. Don't become addicted to it. It'll cause hearing loss. Beware, he implies, the magnet of strong, bright lights. And I'm waiting for you to do something great, God. I'm waiting for you to speak in the crescendo. I'm here. I'm here. I'm listening, waiting for something really big. And all the time, the Lord is, but I'm whispering. It's a cup of coffee with you and me that I'm speaking through. It's, it's a, a person that may not even be known by anybody but you and a handful of others that I'm speaking through. It's a, it's a moment in a quiet time with the Bible open and I want to speak to you through that. But you're waiting for this voice from heaven to come and for the earth to shake and the fires to burn and the mountains to be crushed. Beware of that. Those aren't bad things. God sometimes speaks through the spectacular. But if all we're doing is looking for his voice that comes in spectacular, monumental, monumental epic ways, we're often going to miss it. You know the phrase, uh, you, you, you can't see the forest for the trees? It works the other way around too. Sometimes you can't see the trees for the forest. Miss the small, quiet, penetrating, powerful, softly, consistently spoken voice of God because we're looking for something bigger. And he wants to speak in small, quiet, humble ways. There's a plaque that we have uh, in our bathroom that you might have in your home too. I think Brenda got it at uh, some store here locally. But on the plaque, I like it. I don't usually like to hang those sayings and plaques, but I like this one. It says, make time for quiet moments, for God whispers. And the world is loud. Make time for quiet moments. For God whispers and the world is a racket-filled modern restaurant. Can't hear anything unless we make time for the humble, the quiet, the non-spectacular as well. So that's the first caution. Beware of the spectacular. That's a hearing help, a hearing aid for those of us who seem to have trouble hearing God's Directions. If you want him to quit mumbling and hear him more clearly, and you can offer him then your next yes, quit holding out for a shout and begin to value soft-spoken God. First point. Second point in help hearing the Lord more clearly. So beware of the spectacular. And secondly, submit 
submit, submit your ideas. You thought I was going to say submit to the will of God. That's always a good thing to do too, but submit, submit, submit your ideas. The ideas that you have where you say, this might be the Lord speaking to me. This might be an invitation to a yes. It might just be an idea he has for me, but it might be an invitation to a yes. It might be a calling. It might be a direction he's offering, a movement, part of our journey together. This might be submit them to Christian community because God usually speaks through community. Now, he sometimes speaks apart from community, but that's fairly rare in Scripture. It's the community of believers, the community of leaders, the community of wise people in your lives. You take an idea that you're almost sure is God leading you, submit, submit, submit that idea to the community so that we can discern together as a community. Now, again, there are many examples of this. One of my favorites is found in Acts chapter 15. I'm going to start reading at verse 22. I don't think I, I have this particular text but up on the screen but, uh, for a few verses, but it starts like this. The apostles, and el- there, there, there was a, a church and uh, some folks were coming in and saying, yeah, they taught you that, but you also have to do this. And it was disturbing the church. There was all kinds of trouble in the church. And so it comes to the apostles, and they've got to deal with this problem. And it says in verse 22 of Acts 15, the apostles and elders with the whole church decided. The apostles, we don't have apostles anymore in the same sense that we had them then. And the elders, along with the whole church, decided how to respond to this challenge. It was a community decision of faithful, sound, and wise Christians. They decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And they chose Judas called Barsabbas. It's a different Judas than the infamous Judas. And Silas, people who were leading uh, folks among the believers. And with them, they sent this letter. As I read the letter, look for a community decision. Look at how they submitted their idea for discernment. Here's the letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization. They weren't endorsed by us and disturbed you. They taught this crazy stuff that put a trip on you that you weren't supposed to have. Troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them uh, to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. So they sent a written form letter and a verbal letter. They had emissaries with them. And then listen to this verse. It seemed good to, listen to this partnership, the Holy Spirit and to us. What's the us? The church, the elders, the apostles that I already mentioned. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit, we were discerning there, and to us, we confirmed that that was the right discernment of the Holy Spirit, that we should take this action and not burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, abstain from blood, abstain from meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. And who knows what the message was that they were getting from these people who were disturbing them. You're supposed to put your left shoe on first and you're supposed to tie it this way and you can't wear red on Thursdays and whatever it might have been. 
He finishes with, you will do well to avoid these things. Farewell, that was it. But my point is this, that even the apostles and the elders of the early church, once they sought the Holy Spirit and felt like they had heard from the Holy Spirit, they often would submit that idea to a broader community of Christians. So they sensed the Holy Spirit's leading, and then they talked to each other about what they sensed the Holy Spirit was doing. And then the apostles talked to a broader group of leaders and elders in the church. And then it says, and the whole church community, we prayed about this, we thought about this, we talked about it, we bantered it back and forth, and we together discerned. How in the world can you hear what the Lord is saying when you have hearing loss, especially on spiritual matters? Beware of an addiction to the spectacular and submit, submit, submit your ideas to the body. Now, does that mean I never have, it's never appropriate for me to sense the Lord leading and I don't go take it to the whole body and I still act? Not saying that. Just saying that sometimes it's helpful to hear what the Lord is inviting us to and, re, and we're trying to respond, yes, by submitting it to others. Other Christians you can trust. That, that assumes you're in that kind of a delicate and close community with other Christians. I don't have anything in our bylaws that requires me as a pastor at Marin Covenant Church to meet with a fellowship of older, wiser Christians. But Brenda and I have always done that since the first day we got here. Four times a year is our, is our goal. We meet with folks in our church who are, they would qualify to be under Eliana and Doug's ministry. And we say to them, as, and they're couples, and we say to them as couples, 10 plus years we've been doing this now, you have complete access to us. Ask us any questions, call us out, call me out. When you think I'm doing something dumb as a leader, I want to be able to bounce things off of you and use your collective wisdom. We don't always agree, most of the time we do, but man, I want to hear them because that helps me discern what the Lord might be saying to us. Why do I need that? Because I have hearing loss. I, I can hear the scores of the games pretty well, but man, when it comes to trying to discern and read the lips of someone I can't see, that's hard. Last Sunday, we voted as a congregation to move from having one lead pastor to three. So as of last Sunday, I am no longer Jeff and Ben's boss the same way I was for the previous 10 years. So I now have to get my own coffee and shine my own shoes. It's a real drag. <laughs> Hope you know I'm kidding. There's way beyond that. But that was a three-plus-year process. And I've got to tell you, the, the system, the structure we voted on last Sunday is not foundationally different than what I thought of three years ago, but it's nuanced quite differently. It evolved. Because I had an idea and I thought, hey, Jeff and Ben, what about this? And then Jeff in particular had a response to it and said, no, what if we did this? And, oh, that's a good thought. Well, think about that. And then Jeff and I and Ben worked on that and talked about what we can learn. What's the Lord really saying to us? We don't know. We have no idea. He's not saying this. and He's not saying that, but we don't know. And so we came up with some things that we thought we could live into. And then we submitted all of that to our leadership team, whom you elected. And 
We start working on it for a few years, and they made some changes and some suggestions, and we had a subcommittee of the leadership team, and we presented what we wanted to do, and they said, well, what about this, and what about that, and have you considered this, and have you considered that? It evolved. It was different. What we voted on Sunday was, in, in some significant ways, different and better than what I had initially thought of, because the Lord takes the community and puts all those faithful collective minds together, and when everything's working right, says, here's what we think the Lord wants us to do. Say yes to this. Submit, submit, submit your ideas. Does it seem as though God is mumbling in your search for yes? Sometimes he speaks in whispers. Beware an addiction to the spectacular. And he almost always speaks more clearly through mature, faithful community. Submit your ideas to some expression of Christian community. And you're guaranteed to hear better. Closing this message, we want to do it by giving you some time to actually practice a little bit of what we're talking about hearing in a quiet moment, and then maybe giving yourself an opportunity to bounce some ideas off of some faithful uh, friends. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. Find something to write on. There might be a card in the back of uh, the chair in front of you. It might be a scrap of paper, even your bulletin. But find something to write on because we're going to take a few minutes now just to be quiet and to think and listen. And here's what we're going to think about. I'm going to put that sentence up on the, up on the screen. Sometimes uh, I'm not really sure what the Lord is saying, but I have suspicions. Lord, I suspect that might be you. I want to think about that. I, I can't get this idea off my mind, or I can't get this person's face out of my head. Or now I've dreamt about this last night, by the way, and now I had this thought, and then so-and-so came and said this, and it all reminds me of this A, B, or C. Uh, My suspicion that you might be trying to speak more clearly. And then I take those suspicions and I'll take some time with them. I'll chew on them a little bit. Pray about them a little bit. What we want to invite you to do this morning is, uh, now, is to take some time in quiet. You have a little bit of music behind you. And write down on that card or that piece of paper some of the things that might have been circling You might have been circling them. They might have been circling in your mind. That might be the Lord speaking. It it might be, I can't quit thinking about youth ministry. Why in the world is that going on? Lord, I've got this excitement. Might might you be asking me to minister there somehow? What would that be? Might be you, might not, but I suspect. You know, I just suspect. I want to write it down. It might be that uh, the reason I can't quit thinking about my brother-in-law is because it's time for us to bury the hatchet and... It might be that the Lord wants me to take initiative on that. Uh, I might be thinking, I might have been thinking about senior citizens and folks that have meant a lot to a lot of people but have sort of been discarded lately. Or think, can't get my parents uh, who I buried recently off my mind. Uh, What is that, Lord? Uh, Write down those suspicions, those things that tend to be lingering. Don't try to figure out why they're lingering any more than the fact that they're in your mind. Four, five, or one. 
thing on that paper. What is sort of circling in my mind? I don't pretend to always hear you clearly, but here's what sometimes circles in my mind. Might one of these be my yes? When you write this down, you're not committing to anything except to think a little more and to pray a little more. So would you take in this next moment of silence and just write down any of those thoughts that have been dominant and try to figure them out later, but write them down. What might God be bringing to your mind? Take a moment in silence and do that. Submit them to God. Look at that card and say, wow, here's some things. Can you give me more clarity on these? I want to pray more about these. Think more about these. What might, what might you be saying to me? And what part does this little grouping of possible yeses play in that? Would you offer that prayer silently? Thank you for hearing our prayers, God, for gathering some thoughts in our minds, potential yeses, whether it's an action that takes place in the lobby right after we're done, or a ministry that we might be being called to, an idea that that just won't let go of us. And now we're asking you, to help us to be obedient to you by helping us to hear. Over the next weeks, clarify. We don't have everything we need right now to give you a faithful yes because we are hard of hearing. Whisper to us, God. Speak through our community, if not directly so that we can bring a smile to your face and ours and possibly somebody else's by saying yes.